postpartum body odor. It is a totally natural phenomenon because your body chemistry changes after giving birth. And so sometimes that means that what worked before is no longer effective. But I am excited to say that now there is a solution for that stubborn odor. The Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is a completely natural deodorant made by a postpartum mom who went through it herself. And it works by eliminating and preventing bacterial body odor without covering up your skin's comforting smell to your baby while giving you 12 hours of odor control. And let me tell you, it actually works. Here at the house, we've all been trying it and loving it. Now, before you think, ew, you're sharing a deodorant with your husband and daughter, let me explain that this full-body deodorant comes in a convenient pump applicator that lets you apply it anywhere on your body with no bacteria traveling on the deodorant, so no ew involved. We also love that the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant has a delightful natural scent of USDA certified organic extracts that smell like a pink sugar cookie with lemon frosting. I thought this would be a little strange, but it's actually amazing. Also, the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is free from artificial fragrances and any kind of senoestrogens or herbs that can interfere with breastfeeding. Find your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant at postpartumdeodorant.com. That's postpartumdeodorant.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off through the month of May. Get your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant now at postpartumdeodorant.com and start smelling more like yourself again. I love Jenny Kane. At this very moment, I'm feeling so comfy and cozy as I'm practically getting a hug from my Jenny Kane crop cashmere cocoon cardigan. I am enjoying this sweater so much that I've been living in it all spring long. And with Mother's Day just around the corner, this is a feeling you can gift all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life by giving them the gift of Jenny Kane. Along with bringing you this episode, Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed so super easy. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. Jenny Kane means luxurious cashmere sweaters, iconic accessories, elevated versions of your everyday basics, plus the most incredible home essentials. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off and support the show. Jenny Kane is known for their quintessential sweaters, with their cotton collection providing you with the perfect everyday pieces as the days get warmer. But they also have gorgeous sundresses in a variety of silhouettes for any occasion and spectacular sandals to go along with them. Find the perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring go-tos at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com, promo code BIRTHFUL15. Get yourself and the mothers in your life the gift of Jenny Kane.
Welcome to the Breathful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today I'll be talking with Robin Kaplan about the importance of a good breastfeeding latch, along with what you can do if your baby has a shallow latch, a leaky latch, is developing sucking blisters, or takes way too long to feed, as well as how to save your nipples and what to do when your older baby suddenly develops an uncomfortable latch. Stay tuned. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros and new parents to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty parents and parents-to-be. As always, thank you so very much for listening and all the love you give the show. If what you hear is helpful, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Okay, so my guest today is Robin Kaplan, who's a lactation consultant, and she's been on the show before talking about breastfeeding need-to-knows. Today, we're going to focus on a vital part of breastfeeding, which is the latch. Welcome, Robin. It is so fabulous to have you here again. Thank you. Yeah. And as you know, we will make sure that in the show notes, I will make sure I link to our past episode that we did together. Um, But yeah, I'm super excited to have you here because since we last spoke, you have a book that came out. I do. I do. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about yourself and about your book, and then we'll jump into all the things that people need to know about Latch. All right. Awesome. Um, So I'm Robin Kaplan. I'm an international board certified lactation consultant. I'm actually coming up on my 10 year mark. I have to take my board certifying exam again in April. Oh, that's (laughs) exciting. uh, Prove I'm worthy. (laughs) Um, And I have a business called the San Diego Breastfeeding Center, which is obviously located in San Diego. And um, we provide in-home and in-office breastfeeding consultations for families and classes and support groups. And um, we have a nonprofit as well, which is really cool that helps subsidize lactation consultations for some of our um, local low-income families. Um, So that's something I'm super proud about. Um, And then I released my first book in, I think it was March of this, this year, 2018. And it's called uh, Latch, a a handbook for breastfeeding with confidence at every stage. And uh, it was such an awesome experience writing and just um, sharing my knowledge of what, you know, how to prepare for breastfeeding, as well as how to get through those first kind of crazy two weeks and then uh, transitioning beyond that into just, you know, however long a, a family would like to breastfeed for. Yeah. And I love that you just mentioned two weeks because those first two weeks are bananas. Yeah, they're totally bananas. Like it's just, I mean, your hormones are going crazy. You've got this baby that you don't really know yet. (laughs) Um, It was funny yesterday in my office, all I had were like four month olds and um, coming in for consultations. And it was such a an amazing day. I mean, I love newborns, but four month olds, like they sit there, they smile at you, they're cooing, they're trying to like flirt with you the whole time. And, you know, I said, each of the parents are like, things are so much easier now. Like, even though they were in the office having, you know, working on breastfeeding challenges, it was just different. Like, you know, those first two weeks, it's just like you are flying by the seat of your pants. And so, um, yeah. yeah. Crazy. Well, and that's it. People don't realize, um, and, and and I don't think even when you're in it, you realize that newborns breastfeed different from babies because they're all instinct. They're all trying yes. to regulate, and they can't have yeah. no head control. Like it is yeah. a different beast breastfeeding a newborn. It is. And it's like you can get past that hump of like the first six weeks to three months, you know, depending on, you know, what's going on. Like, even though there are other challenges that might pop up, they're so different. 
And so like, and also, you know, your baby as a human being and their personality at that point, you know, in the first couple of weeks, it's just, like you said, all they want to do is feed and they don't have much control. And spatially, they have no idea where they are in the world because they've been used to this tiny little womb. And now they're like so much space. And so they just startle really quickly. And um, yeah, it's just, it's a totally different beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess today we're going down like nitty gritty micro microscope kind of thing of looking at the latch, because that's kind of the place where, you know, the, the cornerstone of breastfeeding of how not only if like, can your baby swallow milk? And are you producing milk? But that whole of is it being transferred? Is it being, you know, extracted properly and swallowed properly? Like that, would you say, would you like I being a not being a lactation consultant, I say, I would say that that's the crux of breastfeeding. But do you, with your experience, do you find that that's like the the place we need to focus on? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, sometimes as a lactation consultant, I feel like my mind can go to, could it be this? Could it be this? Could it be this? And I'm always trying to go back to the basics first before we start, you know, going down that rabbit hole of what's going on. Is that like, well, what does the latch look like? Because if the latch is not optimal, the baby's not going to be able to get the milk out as easily. It's going to cause mom pain. Um, And so, you know, you're going to have this baby that feeds for like an hour and a half every time because they're like so shallow on there that they're barely creating any suction. So while the latch isn't the end all be all, it, uh, it definitely is the most important place to start because without a good latch, um, it, 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 it can cause a snowball effect into how challenging breastfeeding can be. Mm, absolutely. So yeah, let's look at those basics. And you just segued perfectly into my first question, which is why is a good latch important? Let's break it down into why it's important for baby, why it's important for milk production, and why it's important for the person doing the breastfeeding. Sure. So um, a really good latch is important for baby because the only way that you are going to maximize your kiddo's capability of pulling out as much milk as possible is to have a decent amount of breast tissue in their mouth. And so if they're right at the base of the nipple, they can't create that important vacuum seal um, as well as they're kind of choking the nipple as well, which is uncomfortable for mom um, and really just kind of squeezing the, 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 the last bit that comes out the nipple. So if you figure like your breast is like a, um, a crown of broccoli and you have all the, crowns, those are your milk ducts in them. The end of the broccoli is where your nipple is. And so if you're just pinching that part, you're only going to get that last little bit that's, you know, right at the tip. But if you if the baby opens their mouth up widely, they'll be able to extract more because that vacuum seal is going to massage the milk out of mom's breast. So that's critical um, to keep baby happy to get baby fed, um, and to really extract as much milk as they can. For mom, um, you know, pain management, like the wider the latch, um, typically goes along with a more comfortable feeding session. Obviously, a baby can have a wide latch and, you know, their tongue is doing something funky because they have a tongue tie, for example. And so even though the latch looks great, the, the nipple still comes out smushed and mom's still uncomfortable. So, you know, if we're dealing with that, that's a whole nother beast. But if we're looking at just 
basic latch, the wider the latch, more comfortable. When mom's milk is extracted more easily, we have less chance of having plugged ducts, mastitis, cracked nipples, all of those things that moms are really fearful of understanding, understandably. Um, so that's that wide latch will limit that the kind of the risks of that um, or those situations. And then for milk production, um, you know, we work on a supply and demand basis. So the more that is demanded, the more milk that is removed from the, if you think of the breast as like a vessel, <laughs> the more milk that's removed from the vessel, then it has more opportunity to continue to refill at a higher rate. And so that's what's going to help keep mom's milk supply up as well. Um, when moms are get, you know, are routinely getting plug ducts and mastitis and stuff like that, like lots of inflammation in the breast because the milk isn't being removed, that can sometimes temporarily or permanently cause a lowered production. So the more the milk is removed easily, um, the better it is for long-term breast milk production. Awesome. All right. So with that out of the way, how do you get a good latch? Great question. So I try to keep it as simple as possible. Sometimes moms will come and, you know, meet with us and say, you know, I, they have like 10 steps that they're trying to follow and I need to do this. And then I need to put the baby here and I need to do this. And, um, and sometimes I feel like I get caught up in the steps too, where I'm like, Oh, you know, it, it feels really complicated. It doesn't have to be complicated. The easiest thing I would say to start, you know, with is aim your nipple for your baby's nose. So the reason that this position works really well is we're looking for an asymmetrical latch. So, and we're looking for baby's chin to be resting up against mom's breast. So nose can kind of, you know, rub along the top or even lean back a little bit. That's okay. Um, but essentially when babe, when you're aiming your nipple for baby's nose, the baby is going to lean his or her head back in um, the forehead back and lean in with the chin. And so as soon as the chin touches the breast, then the baby will come forward with their forehead and with wide open mouth and latch in that manner. And so typically that gets the most breast tissue into baby's mouth um, when you do it that way. Another thing that can help is, you know, sandwiching your breast. So creating a ledge, you know, to help kind of squeeze in a little bit more breast tissue as well. That can be comfortable. Some moms find there's a, there's a, um, a YouTube um, video called the flipple, <laughs> which can be really helpful to kind of flip the nipple into um, baby's mouth. Um, and then um, another thing that can be really helpful is actually pulling if for babies who like really are not opening up widely, um, you can actually pull down on baby's jaw a little bit while they're latching. But again, aim doing that asymmetrical latch, having them lean their head back. And as they lean their head back and lean in with their jaw, you can kind of pull down on their jaw to keep it wide open so that when they lean forward with their forehead and latch on that they can maintain that deep wide latch. Mm. And I really That's like... Really in my doula training, um, one of the things or we had to take a breastfeeding course and one of the things that a visual that they brought in was a hamburger. Um, yeah. And I love that visual because like we always think, OK, bring baby to breast and it, it tends to be very much like the nipple into the mouth, not yeah. the nose, because we think we're overshooting it. But when if you think of how you do for a hamburger, like you bring yeah. the hamburger and you don't go straight into your mouth, you go down and then hit like the bottom yeah. and come do that motion of coming over 
Well, the hamburger it into your mouth, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think if if people can like imagine doing a hamburger and the motion they do, the baby does that sort of same motion, like anchor at the bottom and then whoa, come yep. over the top. Exactly, because babies in the first couple of weeks almost seem like piranhas, you know, and their their heads are going back and forth, and you're like, it's like you're aiming for a moving target. So, um, but when they feel the breast on their chin, they typically stabilize and they go, they move forward. They don't go side to side usually. And so then you can roll the breast just like you described right into their mouth. So, um, so yes, I, I love that hamburger um, analogy. I use that all the time when I teach prenatal breastfeeding classes, because also the visual too, sometimes moms will ask, you know, like, am I supposed to hold a C hold or a U hold or, you know, how should I hold my hands? Like, well, you have to make it so that way you're smushing the sandwich into their mouth. You know, if you, if you were eating a burger, but you were, instead of squishing it horizontally, but you were pushing it vertically, you wouldn't be able to fit it into your mouth. So you have to match the shape of the baby's mouth and make it so that the, the breast is horizontal to, you know, with their mouth. So when they get on there, it's, it's as um, narrow as they need to be with you know, opening their mouth. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. And one of the things that I also like that was a, another aha moment sort of visual for us is if you take a water bottle and you're going to drink, you don't keep your head straight. You kind of tilt back yeah. and then pour it in. So that whole idea also that the baby's neck, right, needs to be extended rather than yeah. the chin collapsed in because it's hard to swallow if you're like, you know, your chin's back. You got to extend yeah. it. So that's one of the things that I would say one of the biggest tips that we tell our families when we're working with them is we look at, you know, when the baby's on and, you know, mom's positioned baby or we've helped position baby and then we look at where baby's chin is. And if the chin is tucked, then the jaw movement is going to be really narrow and shallow. And so, and babies often, you know, moms will ask like, why does my kid keep fidgeting? And we're like, because the baby's trying to extend her neck so that way she can move her mouth and her jaw more widely and get more milk. You can't get a lot of milk out when your chin is tucked, just like you described. So, and sometimes you can even just change the position of the baby on the breast. You don't even have to take them off, but just kind of move their body a little bit. So that way they're able to get that neck extension. Um, and then the latch tends to be more comfortable. Mm -hmm. What are other signs of, because we, so we talked about what a latch should look like. Wait, before we move on, is there anything else that, that people should pay attention to in terms of what mm. a good latch looks like? I mean, looking at the lips as well. So lips should be flanged. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about upper lip ties and tongue ties and how they affect the lips and things like that. Um, you know, baby's upper lips should be flanged. If they're not, they're going to get that little sucking blister at the center. Um, although if the baby's not like really pressing down hard and like massaging the breast with their upper lip because it's, you know, it's stabilized. It's not really moving. Um, it's, it's not the hugest deal if it's not flanged out and if it's comfortable for mom and baby is attached well. Um, and then the lower lip should be flanged out because otherwise if you just, you know, if you're sitting there and listening to this and kind of curl your lips over your teeth, um, it creates a, a more narrow opening, um, as well as puts a lot of pressure and tightness in the lips. And so that can be really hard to sustain. It tires babies out when they're feeding, as well as um, they pop off really easily. 
So if you're able to get in there, even if they latch with their lips curled under, if you're able to get in there and pull up their upper lip and pull down on their jaw to, you know, um, have that lower lip flange out, um, it should be a more comfortable latch and it should help your baby stay attached more easily without having to use compensating mechanisms. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that sucking blister or so that would be like one question in terms of signs that the latch is not great if baby has any blistering on the lips? Um, I mean, blistering on the lips tells us that there's rubbing. Um, and so, and from kind of like a little bit more pressure than there needs to be. Um, they'd, uh, the upper lip blister can often mean that um, baby has an upper lip tie that's making it the, the upper lip tight. And so it's causing it to rub. Um, but babies will often get them when they're using nipple shields or bottles as well, just because the plastic's rubbing up against it. Um, and then lower lip um, blisters, gosh, I mean, those are, those are definitely not as common. But again, that's telling us that the babies are using like excessive um, compensating mechanisms to hold on with their lips. So, um, if that's the case, then, you know, we do, we do want to look at that point, you know, is there a tongue tie? Is there an upper lip tie? Why is the baby holding on so tightly with their lips when they should be able to really relax their facial muscles and really just focus on the tongue? Mm-hmm. So, um, it could be indicative of something. I mean, it, it is indicative of something, whether it's something to worry about though. Eh, eh. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Gotcha. So just because you see a second blister doesn't mean you need to run to the closest lactation consultant to find out what's going on. If breastfeeding is going well, you're comfortable, baby's comfortable, baby's transferring milk, you know, all that kind of stuff, then I would say I wouldn't worry about it. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's we'll keep talking more about latch. We'll be right back. And we're back talking with Robin Kaplan about latch. Um, so are there any other signs that uh, latch is not great? Um, I mean, looking at babies or mom's discomfort. And so, you know, is her nipple pinched? Like, does it look beveled like, um, like lipstick? Um, are there, is there a crack? Is there bleeding? Things like that. I mean, that, that's not normal. That's not supposed to happen. Um, we've normalized it, <laughs> but, um, but that's actually not supposed to happen. Um, so if the latch is shallow, there's more of a chance that mom's nipple is going to be misshapen. Um, but other than that, I would say a kind of all this, the stuff that we've already described, you know, baby um, not removing milk as well, um, baby falling asleep at the breast um, because they're getting kind of tired, they're working hard, and they're not getting um, as much milk as they need, um, things like that. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned a couple of times shallow latch. Can you explain that a little bit more? Sure. So, so a shallow latch just means, so what we're aiming for is somewhere between um, the size of the mouth, the baby's mouth, if they were like um, on a bottle. So that, that's kind of, that's shallow. Like their lips are a little bit more pursed. Um, they don't have, um, a wide gape in their mouth. So we want something wider than that. Um, but it doesn't have to be as wide as when they open, when they cry. So when they cry, their mouth is super wide, which sometimes moms will be like, okay, perfect time to try to put my boob in there because, (laughs) um, because we have this nice wide mouth. So we're looking for something in between that where, um, baby's mouth is relaxed. It's kind of midway between pursed and crying and, um, lips flanged out and, um, and where mom is comfortable. 
So the shallowness, you know, you're going to see where lips are more pursed. It's going to look, um, sometimes we'll see dimpling in the cheeks um, when the baby's feeding. So again, just showing the way that you get dimpling is you put your lips together, you know, like almost like in a circle, like if you were going to whistle. That's, so that's not going to be the, the, the wide latch that we're looking for. Mm -hmm. And so ideally you want a deeper latch, right? Yes. And a lot of moms worry like, oh, I hear that I need to put my whole areola in the baby's mouth. I mean, I see all shapes and sizes of areolas and or areolae, and um, there is no way that some of these babies would be able to fit an entire areola in their mouth. So again, that's not necessarily what we're looking for. Um, it's okay to see areola around the baby's mouth, um, but we're just looking for something where um, there is, there's a decent gape in the baby's mouth. And so it doesn't look like they're, um, th like I said, like their lips are pursed and kind of pulled tightly together. Right. It's more like if you had to visualize the breast going in the mouth that you could see that there's quite a bit in there. Correct. Yeah, because ultimately they have to like, I was so surprised how far back that nipple needs to go. You want the yeah. nipple to be hitting like the soft palate. Yeah, so right where the hard and soft palate need, that's how far it needs to go because they have a feeding reflex right there. So for anyone who has a newborn, you put your finger in your newborn's mouth and they, they start sucking as soon as you touch the, their palate. Um, and so same thing with the breast. And a lot of moms worry, you know, when they have flat nipples or inverted nipples, um, how is the baby going to start sucking if there's no nipple? Well, babies, they don't nipple feed, they breastfeed. So the more areola you can get into your baby's mouth, as they start to suck, they'll feel that, that part of your breast massage their palate and they'll start sucking. So they don't actually need like an, a, you know, a sticking out nipple tip to really um, to, to have that uh, feeding reflex stimulated. Mm, I love that. They don't they don't nipple feed, they breastfeed. Indeed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, Robin, in your book, you mentioned that the baby needs to constantly suck in between letdowns to keep the milk flowing. And otherwise, they can get frustrated or sleepy. I, I, and, and that was kind of an aha moment for me because it was like, yes, and you get these babies that like take an hour and a half to eat because they're yep. not constantly doing that. And they're very sleepy. So how can you keep baby constantly sucking? Sure. So, and I'll describe this a little bit. Being from California, we like to refer to the waves. <laughs> so a letdown is like a wave. Your first wave is like this huge rush of milk, um, you know, or your biggest rush of milk that you're going to have for your baby. And then there's a, a lull before the next wave comes. And usually the next wave is a little smaller and the next wave is a little smaller. And so your letdown are these waves. And when the in-between letdowns is when the water or the milk kind of bottoms out and it's kind of trickling, not much is going on. You might have an intermittent swallow for every 10 sucks where with, this, with the letdown you're getting a swallow at almost every suck. So um, what happens is, is that babies will get that first letdown, be super excited. And then um, if they don't continue to suck, 
they're not going to be able to get that second letdown, maybe third letdown. So how do we keep them awake? Um, there are a couple different things. Um, one, and, and granted, I, I do want to put there, this out there that we're not expecting like marathon feeding where they have the same robust energy for the entire 30 to 40 minutes that they're feeding when they're younger. You know, um, they are allowed to pause just like when we're having dinner, you know, we eat a little bit, we put our fork down, we have a glass of water or wine, whatever we're having. Um, we have a little conversation, then we pick our fork back up and shovel some more food into our mouth. So they, they are allowed to have those pauses, but we don't want them to last for 20 minutes where they're just kind of comfort nursing if they haven't finished their meal yet. So um, to keep them awake, um, babies have a little feeding reflex in their hand as well. So massaging their palm can keep them going or even like pumping their arm like a bicycle. Um, if their arm is tight and taut and they pull back, they're still awake. So if you pick it up and it drops like a wet noodle, they're out. Um, and so regardless, either way, if they haven't finish their feeding yet, we want to keep them going. So if there's tension in their arm, keep pumping their arm, rubbing their feet, rubbing their cheek, that can be helpful. Um, breast compressions can be helpful too. So think of yourself as like milking yourself almost. So your milk pools in the periphery of your breast, you know, up into the armpit and stuff. So if they're getting that really easy milk out first, Sometimes they need help getting that more creamier milk from the back part of your breast out. So doing some um, gentle massage from the back of your breast, kind of squeezing it towards the nipple will give your baby a little squirt in their mouth and a reason to keep going. So that can be really helpful to get that second letdown started. Um, and then once the milk starts to flow again more easily, they'll they probably won't need your help anymore. Um, or if latching is easy and doesn't hurt, um, one of my favorite tricks is called switch nursing. So babies on, say babies on right breast feeds, gets first let down and then gets, starts to get sleepy. You take them off, you burp them a little bit, move them to the left side, help them get that let down. As soon as they start to snooze again, take them off, move them back to the right. And then when they get sleepy on that side, get them off and move them to the left. So they might have like four boobs instead of two. <laughs> um, but what happens is, is when you're having a letdown, say on your right side with baby feeding on that side, you actually start to kind of let down on your left as well. A lot of moms who, if they're breastfeeding without a shirt on, will notice that when baby's feeding on the right side, that they start to leak on the left. So all that milk is starting to move forward towards the nipple. And so this switch nursing, what it does is it helps the baby easily get that milk because the letdown is like you're priming your breast ready for baby. Um, and so moving the baby over, the milk is more easily accessible. So I don't recommend that for families or for moms who are finding that every time they unlatch and unlatch, it's super painful, um, just because then you're kind of adding insult to injury there. But, um, but if latching is fairly easy, then that's a great trick when you have a sleepy baby, especially a baby who's like jaundice, um, who just really needs that extra encouragement to stay awake. Switch nursing can be helpful. Um, and then just feeding baby just in a diaper. Um, I know we're running into winter time and although it's you know 70 degrees in San Diego, I realize that it's much colder in other places of the world. Um, so you know if you're feeding your baby in just his or her diaper, you, you could throw a blanket over, but the, the cozier the baby gets, the sleepier they get. Um, and so we wanna keep them a little bit uncozy, you know, a little bit on the cooler side. So hopefully that'll help give them some energy to stay awake.
Mm-hmm. Because it is that, that, you know, and newborns have such a short wake window anyways that exactly. they love to say, oh, I'm going to doze off. Oh, yeah. It's like... Exactly. Well, I mean, they're getting, you know, um, uh, tryptophan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, tryptophan, you know, like helping them sleep. And plus, your you know, mom's torso is the warmest part of her body. So they're getting a lot of heat off of us as well. Um, and so, but yeah, I mean, breastfeeding can be so relaxing for them that sometimes they just need, in the first couple of weeks, they tend to need some encouragement to stay awake. But as they get a little bit older, um, they kind of just get on, feed, get off, they're done, they're ready to play. Yeah. And that's back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the, the newborns, that those first few weeks are just a different beast altogether. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's take another quick break and then, we'll, yeah, we'll be right back. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You've taken gorgeous photos of your baby or your kids, and then when you want to share them, it is a pain either trying to find the photos or figuring out the group text that they should go to, and then also remembering that, say, Aunt Helen only does email, so you need to send her image separately. Or like in my case, where my husband is a photographer who takes magnificent photos that I rarely actually get to see because they live on his phone or end up scattered in text messages that I can't easily find. Enter the Family Album app, which was created to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with your loved ones. Basically, it's a personal space for your family's memories without third-party ads or unwanted eyes and with a bunch of fabulous features. It automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and easily see how your child has grown. And you can also order eight photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. The Family Album app also has unlimited storage. Plus, it's totally free. Yup, no more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by third-party ads. So, to all the parents out there still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, level up your family photo game for free and securely with the Family Album photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, all in one word, and download the app to start creating your shared photo legacy. Diaper rash. It can be a truly uncomfortable experience for a baby. And so I find that one of the biggest conundrums when diapering is figuring out what diaper cream to use. So many options are thick and goopy, making them hard to apply and hard to wipe off. But I can personally say that this is not the case for Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant that is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, designed as a breathable formula to help maintain an optimal skin barrier while allowing the healing to occur. This butt balm was developed by a mom who is also a doctor, hence the name Dr. Mom Butt Balm, when she couldn't find any traditional products that work for her baby's persistent diaper rash and she wasn't about to settle. So she created Dr. Mom Butt Balm to go on smooth and be easy to remove while also being gentle on your baby's delicate skin. With Dr. Mom Butt Balm, you can say goodbye to excessive wiping to clean your little one's already chafed skin. 
Dr. Mom Butt Balm is so soft and goes on so smooth that you'll only need a small amount instead of having to layer on a thick goop. Plus, it has a lovely minty scent. Learn more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at drmombuttbalm.com. That's drmombuttbalm.com. Or look for it at amazon.com. And we are back. So, Robin, you were talking a bit about like if, if latching is not painful or the, the beginning of the latching is not painful, then to do some switch uh, nursing. But can we talk a little bit about that in terms of the pain? Because, you know, what I always say and have always heard is breastfeeding should not hurt, period, done, stop. Right. Absolutely. So breastfeeding shouldn't hurt. However, in all reality, the first two weeks, mom's learning, baby's learning. And even if it's second, third, fourth baby, mom is still relearning with a new partner. And so um, nipples tend to be tender those first couple of weeks. Sure, there are plenty of moms who find that that's not the case. And they even from day one, breastfeeding is very comfortable. But I would say the majority of women um, find that nipples are tender for those first couple of weeks, because that's a lot of stimulation for one part of our body that typically doesn't get them, you know, eight, eight or more feedings in a 24 hour period for 20 to 40 minutes. Um, and so when a latch is good and comfortable and wide and baby's tongue is doing what it needs to do, um, it shouldn't hurt. But sometimes, you know, middle of the night, we're not paying attention and baby's latch can be a little subpar. And the next day we're dealing with tender nipples. Um, when I mentioned switch nursing, that latching, you know, and unlatching isn't painful. Um, in those first couple of weeks, I do find that moms will talk about, and I remember this myself, it's like, the first 30 seconds, you're like, ooh, that is tender. Um, and then the milk starts to let down and baby relaxes their jaw. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, now I can sit and have a conversation and this doesn't hurt anymore. So that that is not abnormal um, for the first couple of weeks to feel that tenderness at the initial latch. And then it relaxes and gets more comfortable. And then eventually latching doesn't hurt at all. Um, so, and it also, you know, taking babies off can also be a little challenging as well. So the, the way that I describe it without being able to visually show this is that, um, I would always lick my finger, but not everybody is comfortable licking their finger and then putting it in the baby's mouth. So if you are, or if you're not, then don't do that, but, um, you're going to slide your finger into the corner of baby's mouth and with the pad of your finger, push down on your nipple. So we're going to protect your nipple because when you slide your finger into your baby's mouth and they're latched, they're going to hold tighter because they're like, please don't take away my favorite thing in the world. Um, and so if you pull on their lips while they're doing that, they're going to pull tighter. It's kind of like physics, you know? Um, so instead, if you slide your finger into the corner of their mouth and then you put the pad of your finger over your nipple and then pop your baby off like a can opener, um, as you're pulling the baby off, they're not able to remain contact with your nipple. And so they won't tug on it. And that, that will make unlatching a lot more comfortable that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it, it, and it does because, I mean, one of the things that there is a pressure differential when these babies get on and they have a sealed latch, yes. right? It's like, yes. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, so if you just pull, that's going to certainly damage your nipple or something. Yeah. Um, so, 
That reminded me also, what about if your baby has like a leaky latch? So for example, my daughter used to click because it used to be, I didn't realize it at the time, like that's where we won't rehash that, but she had a lip tie. And so that led to all kinds of problems, but she would click. It would be like, yep. As she breastfed. Yeah, so clicking um, is an indicator that baby's losing suction with either their upper lip or their tongue. Um, and so some and the leakiness means that they're not the baby's not forming a seal all the way around the, the, the breast. So if you think about those suction cups that we put in our shower to hold on, and then one side curls under and it falls down the wall. Same thing. So if part of the lip is not curled out, baby can leak out of that side. Um, And sometimes babies leak just because they get a huge mouthful of milk and then they, and and they're half asleep. And then all of a sudden they realize they have this huge bolus of milk in their mouth and then they leak it out. So, so that, that can happen too. But if it's happening on a regular basis and there's clicking involved, we definitely want to look at um, upper lip and tongue tie and stuff like that, just to see if that might be causing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want that strong suction because yeah. otherwise... Yeah, because like- if they're losing it, then, you know, it can cause baby to become more gassy because they're taking an air while they're feeding. It can cause mom, again, to not have full milk removal, um, which can impact her milk supply and stuff like that. So... Um, yeah, click, clicking usually. I mean, my kids click too. My kids both had tongue ties and upper lip ties, but they're 13 and 12. And so, you know, no one was really talking about it at that point. But we definitely dealt with the challenges that I see with the parents and, you know, that I work with now. And I'm like, dang, I wish I would have known that at that point. Um, and so, yeah, yeah it I mean, is what it is, right? You, you, do with, you do what you can with the best of the information that you have. <laughs> exactly. And we, you know, like I experienced that snowball effect of her not being happy and being gassy and my milk production getting going down and being more frustrating and it was all because of like let's look at that latch (laughs) pay attention yeah exactly exactly yeah um so another thing that you we, we talked about a little bit off air was that you might get a great latch and it might be working wonderfully and you figure it out and you're past those first few weeks and then baby's older and then the latch gets uncomfortable again. What's up with that? Yeah. So babies in the first, I don't know, maybe first two to three months are all about the food. It's just like, oh my gosh, you put a breast in front of them and they're like, okay, I'm going to do my job and get this milk out. And then I'll, you know, relax afterwards. Um, Babies when they hit three or four months are all about everything that's going on in the room around them. And so they'll hop on, they'll snack, you know, like sometimes their daytime feedings are super subpar. We're like, gosh, are you doing anything right now? Because they're so interested in interacting. They're playing with your hair, they're pulling on your shirt. Someone walks in the room and they pop off to, you know, flirt with them as they walk in the room. Um, And so sometimes we'll see that moms, you know, will feel like all of a sudden the latch has just gotten super subpar and is shallow again, even though the baby has a much bigger mouth now. I mean, we're talking about like a 15 pound baby now, which a much bigger mouth um, than they did as a newborn, but now all of a sudden we're dealing with sore nipples again. And so 
a lot of it just has to do with we all of a sudden have to pay attention to the latch again. Um, you know, when latching gets easy, we find that we just you know, lift up our shirt and let the baby latch on and do what they need to do. We, we really don't have to micromanage it anymore. But then sometimes we find that as the kiddos get older um, and start to interact more with the environment around them, that we actually have to micromanage the latch again and make sure that when they get on, that they are wide and paying attention and feeding. And um, sometimes, you know, babies will clamp down when they're, when they want to see someone else in the room, they don't want to let go of the breast, but they're turning their head. And so it's, or they might, the latch might get a little bit worse when the flow starts to slow down. Cause they don't, they're not there to comfort nurse much anymore. I mean, some are, but a lot of them are just like, all right, the milk's not flowing. So I'm going to yank off. Um, and that can, um, cause some nipple discomfort as well. So it sometimes requires that, we suddenly have to go back to, okay, as soon as I hear that they're not swallowing anymore, I need to take the kiddo off so that way they don't pull off uncomfortably. Um, sometimes when babies, you know, when they start to teeth and some teeth come through, um, you know, if, they're if we're just not um, careful about what that latch looks like, sometimes they can you know, cause some damage with their teeth. Um, oftentimes that'll happen in the middle of the night though, when we're kind of sleepy and feeding our kiddos. So again, it just kind of goes back to a little bit of micromanaging the latch. If we feel like your, your baby's latch, if for lack of a better word, I mean, a lot of parents will say like, I feel like their latch is lazy. So not that the baby's lazy, but the latch is lazy. It's just not, you know, they're kind of opening, they're kind of slurping it in. Um, and it's just because again, like, the breast isn't the end all be all anymore. And so yeah, they're have... distracted. Yep. So we just have to make sure that they're paying attention, that we're paying attention. Um, so that way it, they don't cause damage, you know, in, you know, in a, at a later date. Right. So, and, and if the baby's super distracted and not like you're trying to be micromanaged to the latch, you're doing all these things. What else can you do to help them keep eating? Or do you just like throw your hands yeah. up in the air and go like, oh, okay, fine. Oh, you're not eating. That is definitely a ton of strategies for the distracted baby. So um, when they're early on, like four month old distractible feeders um, wearing like a nursing necklace. So mom wearing the nursing necklace. Um, so baby has something to play with um, around mom's neck. And so, but it's not going to hurt if they kind of yank on it, you know, those like nice little silicone ones. Um, and so they're colorful, they can play with it, they can yank on it, but it's requiring that the baby has to face inward towards mom's breast. So it's directing the attention towards mom. Um, so they're not, it's not, it's keeping them from being distracted looking around the room. Um, giving the baby like a little lovey, like a soft little stuffed animal to hold on to, again, can also be really helpful because they'll bang it against mom's chest and stuff like that while they're feeding. Um, but it again, will keep their attention inward. Um, my favorite recommendation is breastfeeding in a carrier or a wrap. So especially when you're out and about, when babies tend to get really distracted um, as they get older, um, putting them in a carrier or wrap is almost like putting the blinders on the horse. And so it, again, requires that they keep their attention inward um, and it really limits distraction. So that can be really nice. And then when you're home, just, you know, if, if the room that you're in has a lot of people or a lot of stimulation, going to a quiet room, turning the lights down, turning on some soft music, <laughs> you know, and just making it so that way it's a real serene place. And, and that can be helpful. And babies go through waves of distractible periods. 
So it's not like the minute they hit four months, they're going to be distracted for every feeding after that. You know, they, they go through waves where for a couple of weeks, they'll be super distracted. And then for a couple of weeks, they'll be super into the breast and then back and forth and back and forth. And it's so funny because you're like, turn the lights down, put the sounds on, make it cozy, which, right, which is the opposite of what we're doing with this newborn baby yeah. who's really yeah. sleeps. Like, no, you got to stay awake. This one's like, let's calm you down. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. I mean, things as as we can vouch for having teenagers, like every everything in your parenting game, as soon as you feel like you've mastered it you get thrown a curveball and you have to learn something new. And so it's just constantly coming up with strategies that work for a short period of time. And then knowing that it's okay, they're going to need to change. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's just parenting in a nutshell. Absolutely. It's always <laughs> going to change. And I find that the skills that you learn during toddlerhood actually are really helpful for teenage years <laughs> oh my gosh absolutely but way better oh my gosh like teenage years like they can actually talk and verbalize so I feel like yeah the strategies are the same but now you get a human who actually has words so <laughs> yeah, sometimes <laughs> with a lot easier. of sass um <laughs> yeah sometimes with a lot of sass that is true uh Robin is there anything else that you wanted to make sure we mentioned in terms of this topic I don't think so. I think we've definitely um, delved into all the intricacies of it. But um, again, I would say if for any family who is having challenges latching or having pain, um, you know, there are so many resources um, in the community, online. I mean, YouTube has so many awesome um, channels to look at different things um, for latching. But if you're still having pain or if you are having pain, like definitely seek the help of a professional because breastfeeding, like you said, should not hurt. And so the sooner we can get both mom and baby comfortable, the better that journey is going to be for them. Yeah. And I, I do stress that it makes sense to go do it right away rather than wait yeah. to see if it's going to resolve because then you're snowballing problems and then you yeah. might be having to deal with too many things. Exactly. So the sooner you can get help, the better. And you're just going to feel so much better having a plan in place. Mm -hmm. And if people want to get your book or connect with you or follow what you're up to, how can they do that? Yeah. So um, our website is San Diego breastfeeding center.com. Um, and uh, you can buy if you buy a book off our website, um, I will sign it for you. Um, or if you need it quicker than um, that, or you don't care about a signing, <laughs> yeah, you can get it on Amazon. And, um, you know, yes, we not only with a book, but we do um, virtual consults for families who don't have people in their local area that are helpful, um, you know, or say the closest lactation consultants two hours away. Um, you know, we definitely do virtual consults and hopefully over the next year, we'll be launching some online classes as well. So um, we'll see if we can get that in the works. I can't promise anything, but that, that's on the plan for 2019. So oh, awesome. um, lots of ways to connect. And we, we have a very robust, you know, Instagram and Facebook um following and give lots of great, you know, free information um, about breastfeeding on um, those social media pages. Yes, absolutely. I love your stuff. And I've got to say, I really want to thank you for writing a breastfeeding book that's clear to the point, concise, thank all the you. good things. Yeah, thank I love you. that. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thanks so much. 
Mighty Ones, find the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at birthful, so come say hi. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to a mighty parent as they share their amazing story here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so very much for listening. Hey, mighty one. Did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.